Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, European Liberal Forum Project. I'm your host, Ricard Silvestre. And today I welcome back to the podcast Eva Tasheva. Eva is the co-founder and cybersecurity lead at Cybersecurity and Energy, CN. And I had Eva on the podcast to talk about cybersecurity during the pandemic. But today we'll be talking about cybersecurity and the electoral process, what is being done, what can be done individually, and is also what are some of the measures taken by the European Union. And that's our conversation. I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by ELF for this month of October. I'm here with Eva Tasheva. Eva, thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. Thank you, Ricardo, for having me uh, again on another interesting topic. Oh, it is. And Eva was with me on episode 40 that you can find on European Liberal Forum forward slash blog, where we talked at the time the importance of the cybersecurity, but mostly during the pandemic. But let's start with that. Eva, how are you doing? How was the coming through the lockdown and all that experience? Yes, uh, well, the world is different now, or at least that's how it feels, um, working from home most of the time. Um, I think many of us and our listeners would, re listeners, uh, would relate um, that we've been through some kind of a transformational change of the way we live, the way we work and, and collaborate with, with others. Um, and so this is, um, let's say, um, the COVID impact uh, on our future uh, daily lives. And this is um, indeed something that um, I'm grateful for, for you and for the Liberal Europe podcast for giving this opportunity um, to speakers to express themselves, to share what, uh, what is happening in, in their field uh, of interest, uh, but also to me as a listener to your podcasts um, to keep in touch uh, with reality, to keep in touch with, uh, with other uh, interesting um, individuals around the globe. Well, and thank you for your generosity and also to, I know that you've been listening to the podcast and we were talking about the importance of having a second conversation on this particular topic. The last time you were here, we talked about protecting the digital citizen. You're mm -hmm. also very interested in small and medium enterprises. But today we're going to talk about maintenance of the tools of democracy. One of them in particular has to do with uh, elections and the not only the elections but all the electoral process campaigns uh, information informed decisions of uh, the, the citizen so let's start with that and that is um, we've been seeing an increase in attempts to democracy hacking let's use that expression and it's been in europe it's been in the united states it's been also in other countries in brazil um, yes, um, indeed, your observation is something that I've um, I've been also thinking about. Seeing uh, seeing the news, what is happening uh, in the world, we see um, the democracy is challenged. Um, we see how people fear are exploited. And we have seen this in COVID um, through hacking. Uh, now we see this in democracy um, and cybersecurity or hacking um, is just one. Uh, one vector, so one tool um, that is 
readily available uh, for everyone. More uh, digital now, as I said, the world is different after COVID. Everything is happening online. Um, hacking has particular, um, let's say, strengths. So it doubled in effect being able to um, to disclose information that was previously not recorded or not uh, happening uh, online uh, to people that are also not uh, yet that familiar with how to uh, how to live safely uh, in this digital space and so for democracy this is um, this is an additional challenge, right? Uh, democracy is a, is a delicate flower. Um, it, it needs the turf, so it needs the difference of opinions um, to get uh, the debate, the discussion going. Uh, but it also needs the light. It needs the transparency. Uh, but how do we do this light before without disclosing uh, too much, uh, as well as um, the water? So. We need to have these elections, we need to have these checks, we need to feed democracy and prove that it is working uh, for people. And so here is where the challenge uh, comes when we have elections. Uh, these are the democratic processes and they're very, very, very crucial um, to support um, uh, democracy, uh, but if they happen in an environment, um, the turf, if there is no uh, difference of opinions, if there is no public debate, uh, and if there is poison in the water in terms of uh, fake news, in terms of um, um, hacks and uh, disclosing information that might be true, uh, but at specific point of time, it um, it has different impact on, on people's uh, um, opinion and behavior. So it also, uh, let's say, distorts the, the normal course of, 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 of people's uh, decision-making. And so this is where cybersecurity comes into play. And it is just, um, to me, um, as someone in the field, I see it as an easy way um, to break in uh, to this, uh, pro to break the processes, uh, to spoil the water in the right moment, or um, to disbalance uh, the, the visibility of uh, public uh, opinion and discussion. Mm -hmm. So before we start, before we talk then about how cybersecurity can help us and now people like you can help us on the field, let's take a step back just for a little more. And that is, who are doing all this hacking <laughs> and how? And we were mentioning, you and I were talking about uh, some of the uh, research that has been done in this area. And I did some, particularly from in my uh more recent academic career and I dove a lot into what is coming out from the Kremlin and mm -hmm. I don't want to make this podcast a podcast about Russia we'll try to talk more, more about the tools and the solutions but it, there's a long litany of attacks coming from uh, the GRU that go all the way from Dutch ministries on German and French elections. And then we had, of course, the indictments of 2018 from the Robert Mueller investigation. And then not too long ago, in this year, we had uh, an arrest in Germany of Dimitri Baden that is suspected to be a member of the famous APT28 um, cell, which is also known as Fancy Bear. So with this 
long intro for my part let's throw it to you again this is mostly focused in russia because the north koreans do it the iranians do it the chinese are probably getting ready to do it also maybe in europe we have cells that are not they are more like rogue cells doing this so after this me trying to paint a picture can you give us a little more detail uh yes um ricardo so when we speak about who is hacking, um, it is important to uh, to retain that it's everyone that can, right? Um, so capacity, cybersecurity capacity is typically um, much higher when you speak about government organizations. Um, in uh, the last few years, since 2016, for instance, we see um, a very steady increase um, of the government-sponsored uh, attacks in cyberspace, um, and so if we um, if we link this 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 to democracy, uh, obviously the equation is is very simple. So you would uh, hack democracy uh, if you want to show it fails, uh, right? So you, if you look which are the democratic states like the U.S., uh, Europe, uh, we have seen uh, um, hacks um, in the U.S. campaign in 2016, um, in Europe in Macron's campaign in 2017, uh, in Germany, as you mentioned. Um, somehow we managed to avoid uh, a, a big uh, hack uh, during the um, European elections uh, in 2018. Uh, but this all comes um, not as a targeted to specific individuals, uh, but targeted to also uh, destabilize and um, uh, to to show uh, how a democracy and the process uh, is failing. And so if I were to point, indeed, as you mentioned it, it, it it's Russia, it's China, it's North Korea, it is, um, Let's not forget the U.S. as well has uh, significant uh, cybersecurity capacity, uh, and has President Trump has recently also um, admitted, shared, um, let's say his uh, his go card for uh, for some um, capacity, let's say. Uh, uh, cyber command action uh, in Russia. So this is um, this is a ping pong. This is a tennis uh, uh, court where everyone is shooting at everyone's here. Of course, is uh, what kind of an information would be disclosed? At what time um, would this information uh, be disclosed? And and how stable we are um, as a society, as a democratic society, how much we, we trust our uh, government authority and our, our process um, to resist uh, the temptation and fall into this, into this game. Very good. But let's stay here a little more because I actually have in front of me as I talk to you two reports one from the select committee on intelligence from the United States and they did a mm -hmm. five uh, volume report on active measures for campaign and interference and then the other one that was published very recently also mm -hmm. it's the intelligence and security committee committee of the UK parliament yes and uh, about again this the the, the influence of uh, outside actors, mostly again Russia, mm -hmm. on the um, on the referendum for Brexit. So how do they do this? And and we do read a lot about this. How they can stole inf steal information, then weaponize that information, use social networks to uh, 
increase their signal to create that misinformation that you just mentioned. Where does this start and where are the weak points that we can uh, pressure? Mm -hmm. Yes, so indeed there's, um, there's, let's say we are in information warfare, right? Um, so there's different techniques, um, there's combination of, of different uh, uh, buttons and points that um, malicious actors are pressing at a different at a different time. Uh, what is let's say what were the the four messages I wanted to pass today uh, through through the podcast uh, to people is that um, there is a way to to protect ourselves. As you said, it's it's national authorities that are uh, creating recommendations, but it is also knowledge from the industry that comes uh, that we could put it into play and protect not only the institutions, but also citizens and, and, and their uh, choice, their right to choice. And so I wanted to, to, uh, to share with you four key messages, four key measures that I think are very, very uh, important. And one of them, uh, the first one is uh, openness. Um, so if we are open, uh, we leave no little space uh, for uh, interference. If, we, uh, if we're open and debate the, the real issues, uh, we won't be um, as vulnerable um, when um, a malicious actor comes and disclose piece of information here or, or there. And so remaining this open debate discussion and uh, keeping our um, our politicians, our leaders uh, accountable and, and open to this debate, the power of the painful points uh, in society would help us uh, resist um, uh, this, uh, the impact of these hacks. Um, another, the second point is, um, is trust, right? So mm -hmm. uh, we have seen this um, um, game of uh, discrediting uh, uh, individuals, discrediting uh, organizations and creating um, secure digital identity. Um, think about the Twitter hack recently, mm. right? So you had this case um, uh, where a malicious actor, in this case, it was just individuals looking uh, for financial benefit. Um, they have hacked through uh, social engineering, which also is, now we know, is the main threat. Um, some employees of Twitter to be able to tweet on behalf of very popular figures. So yes. in this case, it was Bill Gates, it was Elon Musk asking for, for, for money, so investment in Bitcoin. Um, doesn't matter what was the um, what was the intention in this case or what, what were uh, uh, they after in this case money. Imagine this happening in the midst of a political campaign a uh, couple of days before elections, right? Yeah. If this would happen to one of the authorities, the leaders or the frontrunners in this race, um, this could have really serious implications for uh, for the outcome, for the public opinion and for the uh, for the public trust eventually in, in, in the process of can we trust what we see, can we trust what we hear, uh, and, and who is really speaking to us. So this is something we have to be very, very careful. Ivo, let me interrupt you just for a, a commentary and just that some leaders we have in the world, the way they use Twitter, we actually can't know if their accounts were hacked or not because <laughs> the, 
the 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 amount of craziness it just it, it won't let us trust the information but please continue sometimes you want you wish someone was managing the account right <laughs> <laughs> but, but indeed um again this um this kind of behavior is a right hectic uh, um extreme is also let's say undermining the uh, the base of trust of people um, to the to the process and to uh, to individuals. Uh, but this is another another topic. It's more about um, let's say political uh, ideology or personality rather than uh, than cybersecurity per se. Um, but when we speak about security again, it's important to know that um, there is um, there is a vast knowledge about what is happening in the world so what are um, the threats what are the act who are the actors active in the field what is the vulnerability so you need to exploit something um, that is weak um, to be able to penetrate the system or to be able to steal information um, and these vulnerabilities is something that we should all uh, keep industry we should keep also governments um, on their tools to be able to to um, to patch the vulnerabilities, to know, uh, to be aware of the situation, and to um, implement implement uh, the latest uh, knowledge and uh, security measures uh, that would help protect not only. Um, let's say the election system, but also that would protect uh, citizens. Um, here, I think, um, for instance, um, I mentioned phishing is uh, 91% of the attacks last year uh, were phishing. We know this is an issue. Um, so why don't we all focus um, together uh, to address it? Uh, ransomware um, is um, as well um, due to... Uh, so ransomware is basically when you have a malicious, uh, uh, when you have, for instance, malware installed in your computer and your data is locked, so you won't be able to use um, any of your data knowledge or tools unless you pay uh, um, a ransom, basically, fee uh, to the malicious actor. And of course, if this is the case for electoral campaign, uh, we could imagine the stakes are very, very high if you cannot communicate to your electorate before elections you the price of this uh, data and this opportunity goes very very high so we could imagine there would be a lot of appetite uh, for malicious actors to to exploit this and to get the benefit to get the benefit to get reward for uh, for their hack um, and so this comes with um, situation awareness um, we cannot pretend anymore that cybersecurity is, is a field. It, it is a technical field that there's experts taking care of. Um, this is this is the reality. Um, this is important part of, of um, our context of what we operate uh, and how we also um, would we be able to communicate um, between us and 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 with citizens, with authorities. Um, and so we have to be very aware and keep track. Of, of what is happening, uh, what are um, the threats, uh, and what are the measures we must implement um, to uh, to protect ourselves. Um, this makes me think we are we are not that 
doing that great yet. Um, seeing uh, um, recently in uh, Veronis report that 21% of the files on the internet are not even protected. So if we don't um, if we don't see how this information could be misused or if it's personal data that could have even very serious implications for um, for citizens, uh, for their privacy, um, then we, we won't be able to, to protect uh, the system uh, as well. Um, and the fourth, um, uh, the fourth um, let's say, measure, the fourth message where we have to focus really to be able to counter these cyber attacks of our democratic processes is awareness. So awareness is important because this would uh, allow us uh, as a society, uh, as individuals, um, to judge, um, to have the right call and to be able to, uh, to approach information critically. Uh, we all know uh, with social media, you mentioned it, Ricardo, uh, the channels of communication are exploding. Uh, there, is there is a vast amount of information being shared and we as individuals have the, um, the right and the responsibility to filter out, um, to see um, what, uh, what is a provocation, what is uh, facts, what is journalism, what is analysis. Um, here comes as well um, the role of, of social media platforms. Um, so there are a few we know that are that are dominant globally, like Twitter, like Facebook. Um, it is their responsibility as well um, to make sure uh, that when something, some piece of information is is propaganda, it is wrong, it is um, it is fake. Uh, we we cannot afford to have this information in circulation. Uh, we have to make sure uh, that um, trustful information is being shared and reshared, and this that is uh, honestly just uh, trash um, is, is being uh, pointed out. We also have the education system uh, that needs to adapt to this, uh, this new reality. Uh, we are uh, raising and, uh, digital citizens. Uh, this is not uh, the time of the 80s when I was going to school uh, to read a book. Uh, now we, we have all the digital tools and we have to prepare uh, the future generation to use it uh, for their benefit and to be able to critically also analyze um, what information is trustworthy and what information is, is just uh, a provocation. You brought up a very important point, and this being a liberal Europe podcast, one of the uh, settings of the conversation like this has to do necessarily with less intervention from the state on private sector. But the discussion related to digital platforms, and as you were mentioning, and very cor correctly so, Twitter and Facebook, and to their credit, they've been doing some work, particularly Twitter, it's been way more active in trying to suppress this kind of spreading of misinformation and malicious misinformation. But, for example, Facebook, it's a little more difficult to have Zuckerberg change some of the main tenets of how the platform will work. What do you say to people that will then argue that there should be more 
regulations. There should be more intervention, for example, from the European Union. And we know that the European Union is working on a Digital Services Act. And some of the conversation in Brussels, it's exactly apart from all, you know, protection of data and uh, who is responsible for what. But one of them is to try to control the way to disseminate this kind of information. What is your position on that? Um, yes, um, as you said, um, the role of Europe to a certain extent um, is, is to regulate, uh, right? Um, and I personally believe um, in this role as a, as a rule setter. Um, there is obviously a, a big difference uh, between um, creating a process where we have regulation debated with society, uh, with politicians, with different stakeholders, and then we all come together and agree, okay, these are the rules uh, we need to have to have a functional society, to have um, platforms that work for people as well. Um, and these rules, I still believe Europe uh, should uh, set. Um, then as I said, there is a big difference between setting rules and um, uh, intervening um, in the in the business um, processes, in, uh, intervening in uh, directly in um, the platforms uh, industry. Mm -hmm. And there, I think we should be more careful. Uh, we should be able to um, to set the principles, to set the rules, and give the space and tools of of, um, of industry players to to see how um, this could be implemented in practice. Mm -hmm. I, I, I strongly believe industry, okay, we know it is so many people employed, there's so much knowledge, vast knowledge of the data as well, uh, of, um, of the users. Um, there is a lot of knowledge of how, how to do this uh, right. It is not the role of regulators uh, to dictate um, every uh, every line and every uh, every bit uh, that needs um, to happen, um, but it is still important to um, to take a step back um, and to think. Okay, um, those are a few, very few, uh, very large platforms um, that mm -hmm. host the public debate. Exactly. Right. That is that is the main point indeed, and that is. A topic for uh, another conversation and it's great uh, talking to you about this because time flies and we don't even notice and we're getting to the end of this podcast in particular but I can't let you go before we talk about some of the main initiatives from uh, the European Union on cybersecurity and you as one of the people that are in the field with your company the uh, CN, Cybersecurity Leads, Cybersecurity and Energy SCS. So for you, uh, what, what have you been seeing at the European Union level that it's been positive for you and other things that you think that can, can and need to be done? Okay, yes, uh, this is a great topic. We could have another podcast. Uh, 
on this, but indeed, as you said, um, there are great uh, developments in the European uh, field, um, and I uh, I was personally, uh, let's say, happy to see finally uh, the EU implementing what uh, what they have created the tools in the last few years. I would mention here um, the cybersecurity diplomacy toolbox. Uh, right, um, this was created in 2017, uh, and back then we were all saying, okay. Okay, we need this. We need rules. We need to. Um, we need um, the authority of the EU uh, to be able uh, to say what is right, what is wrong, and to call off, um, uh, let's say, malicious actors with a huge impact on the union. Uh, and this is what happened on 30th of July, for instance, with um, the very first action in this uh, using this tool um, to make an attribution to uh, to create. Um, a list and impose cyber sanctions um, against individuals. So those are five individuals and three entities um, that were uh, involved uh, very much in the latest big, big hacks with impact to union member states. Um, speaking of WannaCry, uh, NotPetya, um, open cloud hopper. So those are big hacks in the last few years. Now we know uh, Europe has been investigating. Europe has the um, the strength to stand up and say those are the people and companies involved, and we uh, we are freezing their assets. We don't want to support them in in their future work um, in. Uh, contributing to malicious activities, um, threatening our people and our uh, authorities. Um, another aspect, okay, there is the regulatory uh, framework. Uh, we have had the uh, Network Information uh, Security Directive, the first cybersecurity law at EU level. Um, this was ongoing implementation and me personally, I was very involved in helping companies. Um, so these are large, mostly government organizations that provide essential services to uh, to citizens to, to, to run the economy, to, to provide services to citizens and they had to implement some security measures. Um, this we see, it was a little bit, I'm I judge a, a little bit too little, too late. Um, good, uh, um, good development in this field now we have with the ongoing revision of the directive. So as you said, what needs to happen uh, there, I hope to see more. I want to see uh, European regulation where um, where the, the rules are already set and we don't need to wait five years for national transposition with the different laws that the objective finally gets lost. I want to see the European regulation where we have uh, requirements and where we make sure that these are implemented at the European level. So no matter if I live in Bulgaria or in Belgium, uh, which is usually my case, um, I would have the same level of protection and, and my uh, railways uh, would have the same level of cybersecurity and my energy uh, would also, uh, energy supplier would also be um, protected. 
um, another activities, you know, in, in uh, the, at the EU level, it's always the uh, GDPR, which is General Data Protection Regulation. Um, data protection is very, very important aspect also in cybersecurity, uh, and it is also uh, security is necessary to um, to be able to guarantee the protection of data, and so there we have a lots of. Um, fines uh, here and there. So again, uh, we show as, as European authorities, in this case national authorities, um, what is acceptable and what is not and what should be discouraged in terms of managing personal data of citizens. Well, um, you mentioned one of the dimensions is awareness and you give us that, you help us understand this feel better and what is needed to be done so that we can protect democracy in the digital era. Eva, uh, time flies when we're having fun and it's always <laughs> great to have you on the podcast. And this conversation will continue because I'm going to keep asking you to come back because there is so much more to talk about. But for now, I'm going to thank you so much for coming to the podcast and I'm going to ask you to um, keep doing the great work you're doing. We already have all your information in our um, database, so I'll add that information on the description of this podcast. But is there something that you would like to direct people now more recently mm -hmm. yes uh, first uh, i would like to thank you ricardo again uh, for having me it's always such a pleasure uh, to speak to you and to um to, to address your audience um what is important to know is that uh, we're in this together uh, elections are going to come we're gonna hear more and more about hacks um let us say together let us share information let us um make decision based on uh, on reality. I'm back just to remind you that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify. And if you like it, give us a five star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by L for this third week of October. And it's a rich week. We have many events starting on the 12th of October in Poland, Warsaw. But also on Zoom, we have Mission New Engagement. Building from the 2019 Voices of Europeans workshop, this edition specifically takes into account digital and online tools and practices. In the workshop, you can expect discussion, among other things, how to attract new members and supporters, retain and engage members, and work with activists and volunteers. This event is supported by Stitching IDI D66 International and Project Polska. And then on the following day, the 13th, in Thessalonic, Greece, we have Stop Hate, a study visit. Hate speech in Greece, hate speech in Europe. This study visit is a follow-up event of the Stop Hate Summer Camp workshop in Warsaw, where a group of liberal experts in anti-discrimination analyzed the hatred discourse of populist movements and radical groups in EU member states. The study visit in Thessalonik will create a space for discussion on hate speech and hate crimes, especially the ones coming from the left of political landscape, with Greek politicians, 
members of academia and civil society to say that this event is supported by Project Polska. And then we jump to the 15th of October, where we have on the agenda the webinar series from the European Liberal Forum. And this one is a particularly important one. It's called Brexit State of Play. More than four years after the Brexit referendum, the UK departure from the EU has been a long process with a lot of ups and downs. We are now approaching the end of the transition period and Brexit is back on the agenda. Speakers for this event include Irina von Weiss, British politician and former member of the European Parliament with the Renew Europe Group, Tom Parker, which is the president of the British Chamber of Commerce in Belgium, and Nikolai von Hondarza, a PhD and head of research division in the German Institute for International and Security Affairs. All these events, you can know more about them by visiting liberalforum.eu forward slash events. And this is all for now, but I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. The Liberal Europe podcast, it's organized by the European Liberal Forum with the support of Movimento Liberal Social in Portugal. This podcast is co-founded by the European Parliament, and the European Parliament is not responsible for the contents of this podcast or any news that may be made of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum. <laughs>